0: Hi everyone and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness podcast. I'm your host Ant and in today's episode I'm delighted to be joined by a returning guest and good friend of the show direct from his home in the United States, Michael Ronin. Hi Michael, thank you very much for uh, for joining us uh, today for taking uh, time out of your schedule.
1: Thanks Ant, it's really a pleasure to be back again. It seems like quite a while since we last had a conversation and I'm really looking forward to this morning.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a it's just, it's been about 2 or 3 months. So, yeah, for the benefit of the audience uh, and the listeners out there, um Michael is a cross paradigmatic cultural commentator and he pulls together the threads of an unraveling world to provide clarity amidst all the crazy which we know all too well about, of course. If there is a single objective truth, then it can be found between many different trains of thought. Therefore, Michael generates insights that shed light onto that truth from diverse angles and viewpoints. And also, Michael is uh, deeply uh, concerned with society and uh, our shared journey together as a species and in particular how it affects men. And even in Western cultures, society is not fit for human consumption, as we know only too well. And it is it is no way it in no way works for the benefit of the vast majority of people. And Michael is fascinated and disturbed about how the world is screwed up, how it got to be screwed up and how it uh, it got to be screwed up and the parts we all play in creating the best conditions for people and the planet and also i believe of course on your website michael people can find out more
1: about your book as well is that right yes thank you for mentioning that it's michaelronin.net absolutely Um, great yeah so um i'm very excited about our discussion today i thought um i thought i'd try i don't know if our last conversations were controversial but i thought i'd try to be even a bit more (laughs) controversial today and uh, maybe go after the sacred cow of democracy <laughs>
0: right well, i, I mean, think we've done the, the, the woke sacred cows so.
1: yeah yeah i mean hopefully it's going to be in good fun and hopefully it'll get people to think a little bit more deeply about democracy um you know especially there are those people out there who are looking at possibly um sort of emergent parallel societies um as an alternative to i guess you know our present trajectory yeah. Uh, you know, like the Great Resets, um, uh, you know, we, it, 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 we we kind of live in, in the face of this increasingly autocratic world where um, people are, like, unconsciously yearning for a more liberating form of democracy, and I thought I'd spend some time with you this morning poking some holes and probably annoy some people, but I, that's okay, I'm happy with that.
0: Sure, yeah. Excellent, excellent stuff. I think, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a relevant uh, conversation to have at this time because we have known for many, many years that democracy is in uh, a deep and profound state of crisis. And of course, here in the UK, we've got the current uh, shit show or debacle of the um, Conservative Party uh, leadership election after Boris Johnson resigned. And of course, it's bringing everyone's attention again, to a uh, concept of democracy and the fact that the next uh, leader of the Conservative Party, and therefore, of course, the Prime Minister in this country, won't be chosen by the people, but will only be chosen by the members of the Conservative Party. So, yeah, it's at the forefront forefront of a lot of people's mind, minds here in the UK. But I think, Michael, it be helpful to start with just a, a current assessment of the situation, and, and uh, as with any problem, where we find ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, I think, as you kind of point out, by now, it should be clear that um, governments around the world, not just in the UK, but around, the, they have little interest in putting the needs of their citizens that, you know, that that, want, that they claim to represent, first and foremost. Um, you can see it, you know, there's fraud and corruption at, at all levels <clears throat> and in all major social institutions. Yeah. Um, and what you can see is that in their, their loyalty, their fealty, is to corporations and big money. And, of course, behind those corporations and that big money is the ruling elite. And somehow we, we constantly expect that voting will one day work somehow to make our lives better. And so this process of voting for them every four years gives them this legitimacy and by constantly listening to their voices and following their orders we give them that kind of legitimacy and we believe in the truth of our party against the lies of the other party Mm. Uh, whether we're conservative or um, labor or democratic or republican or green or whatever we seem to have this tribal mentality so you know, while it seems that we live in a democratic society, however, dysfunctional. In reality, it's an elected dictatorship, if you think about it. Yes. Um, it's uh, in fact, it's even worse than that. It's it's an that there's a term for it. It's an oligarchic plutocracy, which is kind of a mouthful. <laughs> but w- what that is, is it's a society that's ruled or controlled um, by a small number of people. Who have great wealth, so the the oligarchy is refers to the, the the small number of people, and the great wealth is the plutocracy aspect of it. So, it's an oligarchic plutocracy. Hmm. So, um, uh, and you can see this the 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 insane distribution of wealth around the world. It's completely skewed to the zero point zero zero one percent. Um, Now, under those conditions, I believe it's impossible to live as free citizens within this oligarchic plutocracy. Um, And what we've seen is that what they do is they buy up power by Mm. um, creating institutions, either government or non-governmental institutions. They pass oppressive laws, which, uh, I, I mean, it sounds, there's some veneer of respectability when you're saying uh, you're passing a law but it can be more accurately described as a legal extortion racket yeah Yeah. all all of which you know keep us the people without wealth and power and it keeps us in a permanent state of um increasing poverty and powerlessness essentially so Mm -hmm. yeah like you said we have this crisis of governance uh and we we naively call it but democracy, somehow, we have, mm. and, um, um, you know, like with Boris, we have a choice in in doing now, uh, which is doing what we've always done, which is replacing one bunch of dickheads with another bunch of dickheads. And nothing fundamentally changes. It's just new wallpaper. That's it. Mm. Uh, so, I don't know, perhaps we need to consider what sort of democracy do we want? And perhaps ask ourselves the question about how best to govern ourselves. Um, mm. You know, it, let, let's say that h- how do we govern ourselves potentially in the absence of this oligarchic plutocracy? Um, and that's something we covered in um, our earlier conversation last year, uh, uh, the, the power of no and the power of yes podcast.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah.
1: So, you know, assuming that we have a future as a species and we somehow manage to wrangle the, our lives back into our own hands, how do we want to govern ourselves? So then um, we can ask ourselves, what is our objective in being governed in the governance structures? Um, mm. And in fact, you know, um, by, let me think, by by what measure would we be comfortable with any governance? Um, either centralized or decentralized you know local governments um, small government or something centralized whatever it might be we need to think about that we really need to get down to the brass tacks because um, we've clearly lost sight of how to how to coexist peacefully and harmoniously Mm. and intelligently we've lost sight of that and the, the question to my mind is Uh, How can we come together and coalesce around um, creating a superstructure for, um, sorry, my mind is a little bit sloppy this morning. How can we come together around creating a a superstructure for fully functional, fully integrated, fully realized individuals as a premise for coexistence? Mm. And that, that's a big thing to contemplate. Um, so, uh, yeah, think, uh, yeah, what do you think?
0: Fine. I mean, just, um, just a point I wanted to make um, in response to what you were saying. In terms of this idea of, yeah, the sort of a crisis of democracy, I think we sort of reached a point now, certainly after COVID, when even within the sort of mainstream consensus reality, the system knows that the veneer of democracy the very thin veneer thin layer is 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 peeling off and you know when when governments were ordering this ordering their citizens to be locked down and we were we were heading towards uh compulsory uh, fake vaccinations that it was it was difficult for the system to 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 keep up the pretense of democracy because traditionally they're things that fascist type regimes do. So I know now a lot of the regime, a lot of the, sorry, the um, COVID rules, guidelines and protocols, whatever you want to call them have been dropped. But you know, those of us who analyse these things, we don't, we don't forget, never forget, we we don't forget. (laughs) But um, what's the point I'm trying to make is that, yeah, get to it, sorry. Even within the mainstream there is an awareness of this ongoing crisis, because they put it in terms of the rise of populism, uh, you know, and that's how the system kind of tried to sort of, what's the word, put like Donald Trump's presidency into some sort of, you know, category that put him him outside of the norm and a threat to traditional democracy, which many of us know, obviously, uh, obviously, isn't isn't the case. So in the light of that, I think, yeah, I agree with you. We are now at the point, and this also relates to the current debacle of the Conservative Party um leadership race, that, that circus, we, we, we are so we, we're so aware of the problem now mm. um, that we really do need to articulate, like you were saying in your point, Michael, how we move on from here it's not enough to just go oh all politicians you know they're all the <laughs> same well yeah we know that we've know we know that for for many years and also um it's not enough to just disengage i mean like i do like you, you i'm pretty sure like me you're not involved in party politics no not at so. all you know but there is a danger in that and i think you've mentioned maybe you spoke about this in your book that if we just completely disengage, then they'll just carry on. Yes. You, you know, and and if enough people carry on voting, if more than fifty percent of people vote, which probably will always happen, then they carry on. That's why I always encourage people not to vote, because mm. if it falls below fifty percent, the system no longer has any legitimacy. And I think that's what they that's what they're concerned about. Um, and that's why you know they may you know they always talk in the UK of making voting compulsory and they've spoken about it in some other countries so yeah in summation so that was a long-winded point it's, it is important now for those of us who can see the problem and identify it well how do we move forward because uh, I believe you've spoken about something called equality of influence how we move towards uh, an alternative um, to the current sort of a democracy that we have for all its ills
1: yes so yeah yeah um, what you what you said kind of reminded me of that old quip which is no matter who you vote no matter who you vote for the government always gets in
0: yeah i like that one yeah
1: um so um also what I, i should say maybe maybe just as as an aside um and just so for people to think about uh, it should be said that for almost all working people, eight to no, eight to nine hours of every day is not spent in a democracy. It's spent in a hierarchy. You know, they have a boss who calls the sh- shots. So if you add it up, it means that for basically a third of a human being's life, we don't live in a democracy. We, we're People are compelled to rent themselves out to the labor market. Usually, in jobs they don't like, to employers who are willing to hire them, and um, where their role in the production or of, of goods and services or whatever is is not that much more different than that of um, some sort of auxiliary tool, so even if we had democracy right now, um, it wouldn't make that much difference to people's lives you know, if we had true democracy because most of our lives are not spent in a democracy. They're spent in, um, um, some sort of feudal arrangement, uh, some sort of hierarchy. But like I said, that's more of an aside just for people to think about. Um, mm. so I guess, um, the next question that we might ask ourselves is, is why do we want democracy? Mm. We don't really ask ourselves, you know, what, what, um, what do we ma- what do we imagine that it and it alone is capable of achieving as opposed to any other forms of government governance because um clearly we know what we don't want we don't want tyranny or despotism or feudalism we don't want um rulers who have little to no interest in serving the common good we we don't want our voices silenced or cancelled um or given a strike on YouTube or censored or ignored. Um we we know we know what we don't want. We don't want um to be impoverished. We don't want gradual or rapid impoverishment in favor of this oligarchic plutocracy of big mm. business or big bankers. And I, I know for a fact I didn't vote against vote for that. <laughs> you know I know yeah. I know we 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 didn't um, we did we did I know we didn't celebrate corrupt government officials entering this is I'm talking about America now, but entering the executive branch of governance through re- re- revolving doors of the corporatocracy where they come from big business and go into government, and then when they leave government they go back into big big business and so on, like a revolving door. Sure. But that that's what we're presented with. I'm guessing it's the same in the UK as well. It's been a while since I've been living there. Um you know, yeah we... I mean
0: the power of, sorry Ginger, the power of um, lobbying and lobbyists of course is well known within this, this uh, US system um, but I think that's it's probably just as much paralleled
1: in the UK system as well now yeah yeah so we know what we don't want so it's its time for us to consider what we do want assuming we have any kind of future <laughs> we, yeah. we, um, we, we want democracy, I think, because we recognize that liberty is fundamental to our well-being. And we believe that under the right conditions, democracy can deliver that and uh, maintain that. Um, that's what we like about democracy. We have this perception of it as being about liberty, uh, about freedom. And mm. freedom is the freedom to participate in power. Um, The paradox is that we don't want our individual actions to be restrained or constrained by others. You know, we want freedom, personal freedom, but we don't want to be constrained in that freedom. But this is what democracy does or ostensibly does. Well, in fact, any form of governance. It's about directives and laws and policies which are put in place to limit behavior um, Mm. or which incentivize other desired behaviors. Mm. Uh, So, you know, it's not really about freedom. We believe that um, without some level of coercion at the state level, it would just be, you know, like the law of the jungle out there or a Mad Max scenario where it's every man for himself and where might is right if you don't have any sort of government you know how would people what, what, what would what would stop people misbehaving like that yeah. now you know i don't know that may or may not be true uh, um but certainly when you think about it what we have right now that concept of might is right that's the world we have <laughs> that's what's going on we yeah. that is the world we live in it is the law of the jungle it is that kind of man max scenario but instead of um uh, local warlords we have global superpowers um yeah you know that's the might is right world we live in anyway so i'm going back to what i was saying earlier but um we're living in this impoverished world where regular people just fight and fuss over the crumbs that have fallen off their banquet table <laughs> yeah um, that's that's that sort of world where you know um and we and and it's divide and conquer we have certain in groups which we favor above others be they republicans or democrats uh, uh certain nominated minority groups which is more and more you know that's kind of the woke aspect now hmm. um uh and with we we find ourselves forced to seek refuge in these tribes these mimetic tribes where we can identify with um the message and and ultimately hope for some personally amplified power because we're trying to cope and withstand with the stresses of life and the turmoils of life
0: Mm. yeah yeah thank you for that um just in response i think the first point you were making of course any discussion around democracy um we need to consider as you were talking about um the uh, law of the jungle as it applies to the economic and financial system because if we just talk about democracy in terms of parliamentary democracy as we have in the UK or a form of that and then we don't talk about financial and corporate monetary interests, it's kind of like um it's a bit it's a bit pointless so you need to yeah it has to be a discussion of 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 the whole um just latterly in terms of this idea of uh, liberty and freedom I think what's interesting is um, certainly in recent decades um, this idea of the freedom to fail which for me would form part of any true democracy but by the mm-hmm. same token you would protect the most run- vulnerable people in society who have no you know or mental or physical capacity to um, to provide for themselves but we've seen through covid as well with the kind of like stimulus checks in the states and furlough payments here in the uk i'm not saying that's right and wrong um this idea where we are seeing much more a socialized form of governance or socialist form of governance whereby the people are almost brought off because um they're saying they're saying to the people <laughs> um well we're not going to live in a world where you do have the freedom to fail do you see what I mean and, and I know there's kind of like um it's hard hard to say because obviously the government caused people to close their businesses they said people couldn't go to work so many people would say well it's quite right that people right. were were compensated for that but that is still a form of socialism right and you know, more and more, the way the welfare system works in the UK, I know it's very different where you are in the US, we are living, it is a system whereby there's no, there's very, very little um stick, so to speak. And it's about keeping people very passive and not offering them opportunities um to, you know, walk, walk, uh, to step out of um, the situation that they're in. So I think that's, How the system pacifies people's demand to you know bring about a new type of system. They it's a kind of like a bit like, you know, is it Marion Antoinette, let them let them eat cake kind of (laughs) thing. It's like they give the people what they think they want. Uh, and as I was talking about in the form of kind of the benefit system and the furlough payments because they know at the end of the day if people go hungry you've got a revolution within hours let alone weeks or months so we're in this kind of standoff position and again this also relates to your point that some people go well it's not too bad uh i know politics is all kind of a nonsense shit show not the rest of it but you know at least it's like the better the devil we know so we've got this kind of standoff uh that's going on um at the moment really um so yeah that's just a few points that i wanted to make uh, in response to what you were saying michael yeah thanks
1: yeah um which is i mean we we talked about this a little earlier but it's it's um um it's a meeting of liberal democracy with this uh kind of woke aspect which which is uh where I get I'm using the term equality of influence so I think many people I I believe that many people want democracy because they want equality of influence at you know at at a certain level we are all equal we we all have a right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness so in that sense we're equal Um, in law we should we should have equality before the law Um, yeah but the thing is we're not all the same we are differently abled and that's something we largely ignore you know we have different skills and we have different abilities and strengths of character um and we seem to be at this turning point um it, it's it's no longer about uh playing to our strengths but giving it, it, instead it's about giving everybody their 15 minutes of fame so yeah. uh, let me explain i um so you know can i talk about something controversial oh uh, yeah uh, <laughs> uh, of course you know um okay so um, am in an effort to equalize things individuals from nominated minority groups are increasingly being given power and privilege and perks in business and government and academia um as part of this commitment to diversity, yeah, um which sounds great, but we and we, we see it all around us and but the thing is, it matters little that we, we that we have the best man or woman for the job. Um, you know ostensibly it's done this is done to create a more just and fair world. but the thing is what's happened is that um this has resulted in diminished competencies across many fields, and, and to my mind anyway, it, an impoverished world. Uh, that's how I see it. it's It's not that I'm against historically underprivileged groups, not at all. Um, it's just that I, I think a better and fairer world can be uh, it can be better created by giving the job to the best man and woman. Uh, and the thing is what this is the key thing here and making sure that every man and woman has the chance to be that best man and woman so you empower people to be the best version of themselves and then you let them fly Mm. and the thing is if we put the second or the third or the fourth best man or woman in charge what happens to the first what do we do with the people who are the first who are the best man so <sighs> equality as it's currently cons- constituted it's about disadvantaging our best and the brightest in favor of a rainbow of different faces and abilities and proclivities and i i don't think that creates a better world i think no. it creates an inferior one what it does is it it ge- um it gives us the illusion of Collective well-being. It, it just it just makes us feel good about how inclusive we all are, and it's no longer concerned. Um, we're not concerned anymore anymore about creating the fundamental conditions for men and women to rise to their full potential. Uh, men and women who have all, and this is the th- key thing I'm saying here, men and women who have all had the best upbringing and the best education meant to bring out their finest qualities, not a privileged education for a few people, but for all who desire it. If you don't Mm. desire it, that's fine. But I I, I find it quite shocking that we're not even talking about this concept. But I, you know, I think I understand why. Um, To my mind, at the psychological level, people recognize that uh people recognize where this there's this scale of competency out there um there's a level of status w- with some some people being more competent than others that gives them a certain level of status so you know there's this yearning to be equal or even superior to others um and i think it's unconscious it it's unconsciously exists um in a state of unintegrated powerlessness mm. um so in other words they want to be a big fish because they refuse to acknowledge that they are a little fish i mean the thing is who doesn't want to be rich and sexy and good looking <laughs> and and looked up to by others and you know be the one calling the shots um it's egotistical. But, you know, I, I recognize this in myself. I re- I recognize that egotistical aspect in myself that, that, you know, there are always going to be people who are better than me. And I'm OK with that. I would love to dance like Michael Jackson did. Uh, I remember when, you know, Thriller came out. I just wanted to learn that routine so badly and I couldn't do it's it. Never too, it's
0: never too late,
1: Mark. <laughs> you know, I I want to sing like Harry Connick Jr. Sure. Uh, I want to have the charisma of Russell Brand and his following. Uh, I, um, I want to have the ability to inspire people like, I don't know, Martin Luther King. Hmm. But, you know, I I have come to terms with the fact that I am who I am. And my task is to present the best version of myself without judging myself by comparison with others. I leave the judging to others. I don't care. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I recognize that there are other people out there who are more intelligent and more articulate than me. And I follow them. I love them. Um, pe- people should look up Daniel Schmachtenberger or Brett Weinstein or Majid Nawaz. They are incredibly and wonderfully intelligent and articulate, and they deserve their recognitions. Mm. And if more people listened to them and empowered them, we would no doubt live in a better world. You know, by their merit, they deserve it more than me, and I'm okay with that. Mm. I have my own unique set of gifts to offer the world instead. But the thing is, sorry, I I rambled a bit about me. (laughs) Let me bring it back up. The thing is, what what the Wokies want, I, I, I don't want to demonize them, although I guess I am. I'm just using that term as a quick and dirty slur. I'll ah. recognize that. What the Wokies want, what they want is seemingly is a flattening of the world so that we all have our 15 minutes of fame and no one has 16 minutes because yeah. that would be unfair. They don't want to do the hard work, the self-work. They They don't want to rise in their own terms. They just want to feel safe and secure and relevant and to have quote unquote equality of influence that's what they want yeah there I finished my rant thank you
0: no uh, this is one of my hobby horses so I apologize to the audience so what you're talking I spoke about this in a recent episode um about are we living in the post-truth world so what I the argument I made in that is that with the woke is they're not prepared to suffer for the truth. Now, as we all know in our life histories, coming to truth of who and what we are in this world often is a very, very painful process. So I made reference to that. So uh, it was quite controversial with the whole plus size movement by saying, well, there's a big difference between women who are larger framed and those women who are morbidly obese. Mm -hmm. And it's very disingenuous to promote, you know, the idea of Inclusivity and celebrating women and in all their shapes and sizes that we should do that's a good thing, but there's what I describe is there's this fake sense of empowerment uh being pushed because at the end of the day, if someone is morbidly overweight or morbidly obese and they're being celebrated right for that, is that helping them and more broadly, what I would say is what you're talking about is um. I think it's a deliberate process. I call it the race to the bottom. Mm. Uh, pardon. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> it's also a part of what Yuri Bezmenov talks about. The former KGB agent. He talks about that how since sort of seventies and eighties, what you've had is a, a process of demoralisation within these societies. So we haven't had foreign armies coming into Western countries to invade it's this sort of ideology of demoralisation that is basically destroying kind of our sense of who and what we are and you know you you speak to you know people who don't won't listen to this but they know there's something profoundly wrong they know there's something profound profoundly wrong with this kind of idea of levelling up which really we know is a euphemism for as I say a race to the bottom and actually is a complete disservice to minority groups because it actually doesn't allow for society to recognize their true traits and the talents that they have, like what, like what you were saying about. And I think um, it's a really insidious way in which the controlling powers are trying to, they're trying to break people, basically, to put it in a psychological Mm -hmm. sense, they're trying to break people. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, And this, this woke thing, as we know it has roots in, you know, that what went on in um, in China under the Cultural Revolution and under Pol Pot in Cambodia. Uh, hopefully it won't end like that, but it's a very insidious and people mm. who fall under the spell, fall under the spell of it. I think we need to have sympathy uh, with sure. them. That's why when I spoke about the plus size movement, hopefully I did it in a sympathetic way. Do you know what I mean? Because it's right that we should, you know, everyone should be celebrated, all women, shape or sizes. But uh, I just am, you know, come back to this idea that, um, like you were saying, you know, this idea of suffering for the truth and of who and what we are, and the whole woke thing means that people don't have to do that, or they can fool themselves into believing the reason why they feel like the way they do it is because of patriarchy, is because of colonialism, is because of, you know, all of the above. So there's my point, anyway. So. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but you do. We do have to be sensitive um, because I know as a child and a young adult and I still am a sensitive person. So I think if I was in my 20s now, I probably would be fully woke. I would probably have blue hair because it does appeal to people who feel that, you know, they don't have a voice in society. And I've always felt like that. So that's why I think it's a very insidious ideology. Yes. But we de- we need to have. Uh, sympathy for, for, for the people who get hoodwinked by it right. and I, I i'm not a great fan of content created authors or people who are quite acerbic in their analysis do you know what yeah. i mean who who have nothing but harsh words to say for the wokies so you know i think like you do in your book and like this discussion we're trying not to you know, throw expletives around at, at the end of the day, but it is a it is a, a concerning process that's that's going on. Uh, certainly here in the UK, it's it's massive. It's you know, I do get to see unfortunately quite a lot of kind of mainstream narratives and programming, and it's just everywhere now. It's absolutely everywhere. You, you can't escape it basically. Right. Kind of thing. Anyway.
1: Shall we move on? Well, we were were, um, considering some of the problems that are inherent in democracy. And I was thinking about, um, and this kind of touches on what you were saying, but um, if you think about what an optimal form of democracy might be, some people would say that it would be a horizontal democracy where everybody has an equal say and where power is distributed equally. And at at that point, you, you know, I'm sure that, I mean, you might think that we would have a a better chance at living freely and shaping our lives in fellowship with each other. And where power is no longer concentrated in the hands of masters and rulers, it would be a horizontal democracy. But, you know, I think there are real problems with this model. So just to give you an example, let's say, I won't be specific, but let's just say you have a social problem which needs to be addressed there's this some that so there's there there is some big pressing issue that needs to be addressed and we need to we need to address it because this problem exists at a societal level it's not something that can be solved locally or individually so okay um some people take an active interest in trying to understand all the facts of the matter and Um, trying to understand this particular big policy issue and then um, you know at the ballot box or the town hall you get to vote on the matter so that that those people who applied themselves to fully comprehending the issue are are then joined by others who don't bother to do any research who you know they have uninformed opinions or they just want to um, vote with a majority um that's some, that, something called the bandwagon effect. If anybody wants to look that up, hmm. so then the the informed, those, those who are informed, and those who are uninformed, they unfairly cancel each other out. But you know, that's democracy at work. Hmm. We we should be okay with that. Is what you know we should. If we if we want democracy, we should be fine that um, you know everybody has an equal say and that inevitably there are more of the uninformed than the informed on any issue quite a lot more and um i have a problem with that you know if, if these people get into a debate and they try to reach a compromise the 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 informed and the uninformed if they try to reach a compromise then what's likely to happen is that there's some mediocre middle way that's fleshed out rather than implementing the most optimal solution um you know if you're looking for if you're looking for an optimized world it can't be achieved it cannot be achieved with democracy because democracy always reverts to the mean if it if all voices are heard and all voices are heard equally Mm. now you know i mean i don't know about you but most of my friends and family are far more interested in devoting their time to Um, their interests and their relationships um, and their living arrangements and their work and their community events and Uh um, and so on you know they 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 don't have the time or the inclination to spend hours like we do (laughs) delving into the more macro problems facing the world and not everybody not everybody wants to sit and deliberate about policy issues some people are bored to tears To the extent of having their heads explode with 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 trying to grapple with the nuances of knotty social problems. But, you know, we. um, But the thing is, you you hear this all the time. If you don't vote, you shouldn't complain when you don't get the outcomes you want. Um, But but and and I find this unfortunate because we we all have strengths and weaknesses and people uh, people have. Their own particular gifts to offer the world, which and those gifts aren't necessarily related to high decision high level decision making um, and yet you know we we say if you don't vote, you shouldn't complain, we shame them if they don't vote. Why didn't you vote? People died so that you could vote you know and um and frankly, with our cosmetic democracy all 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 the, all the politicians have to do is just appeal to the naivety of these people with their slogans and um, claims. Um, like in America, it's like hope and change or make America great again. Um, or, or in England, it's get Brexit done, or um, or you know or build back better. Even you know this is stuff that people can absorb. Childlike, vapid. I call vapid. it literally childlike, yeah. and they don't see that it's just vapid and meaningless. Mm. Um, because, of course, you know the devil's always in the detail. Um, and it, and the thing is with the with the, these particular groups of voters, or uh, you know, how adept are they at spotting logical fallacies and inconsistencies in the information that they get, the information that that's presented to them by politicians mm. and media and purported experts and authority figures um you know those those people who are um, interested and engaged in looking at and grappling with um real world solutions those people are are swamped by um the others other people who fall prey to these platitudes and um um you know, uh, we, we listen to pundits rather than gather facts. Mm. Uh, and here's what we don't do. We, we don't seek out commentators and guides and teachers and so on who approach their work earnestly and with great conscientiousness and clarity. Um, and yet come to from their own with, with each other. They have conflicting perspectives, but they're doing it with integrity. You know, that they're approaching their work earnestly and with integrity and arriving at different conclusions. And we don't care to notice where they agree and disagree and explore that, explore those differences. We don't cultivate in ourselves and become conscious men and women. Uh, We don't cultivate ourselves to be the owner of a mind that can embrace um, nuanced thought. We don't do that particularly and that's why we get the leaders we get
0: well you know. there's that adage isn't it we, we yeah we always get the leaders uh yeah that we deserve i know it's a, a wretched cliches i just wanted to add if it's okay to yeah,
1: yeah. what you were
0: saying there michael i think one of the reasons why you know we just have punditry rather than proper analysis is linked to the fact that in western societies at least we have no concept of wise elders or concept of you know we just have experts we have um, people that collect data streams and we have people that become experts in their field but we don't have wise people um, at all so that's why it's difficult for people to come to any um, any kind of logical decision within a democracy when you've got two competing parties i just make another point with regards awesome. to what you were talking about in terms of informed versus uninformed. Now, that's a very interesting point you're making there because during the Brexit debate here in the UK, sorry to raise that uh to the UK listeners. <laughs> um, now, what's interesting about that is one of the main arguments for the Remainers or the Remoners, <laughs> depending on your <the> side <laughs> of the argument, is the reason they said why Brexit won or the vote leave campaign won is because um, a lot of the people who voted to leave, like myself. Yeah, you can tar and feather me. Apparently yeah. the likes of us were uninformed of the real debates. So that and that's still there. you got certain types of politicians and commentators who still think basically the only reason, you know, that the uh, vote leave one was because the people voting were ignorant morons and they didn't know the issues. Mm. So that's like the kind of attack that's going around, but it is, you know, it is something that's worthy of discussion because like you were talking about, Michael, um, it does come down to some people might say, well, people don't have a right to vote on issues if they're not informed on it, or if they choose, if they choose not to be informed, I mean, should they, Partake in any form of um, democracy, you know some people would argue, no, they don't, but like you rightly said, well, most people are so busy pulling the levers and pressing the buttons proverbally, they don't have time, they literally don't have time um, you know to get involved in such discussions
1: right so
0: um, and just lastly, I want to add to this idea, I think what you were alluding to, Michael, was within any true democracy. Or system of governance we would be able to give expression to our unique gifts mm, skills yeah. and talents and as we know the problem in this the current system that we live under or systems the reason why it's democracy is failing you can only do that if you can monetize it or it you know this idea of right you <laughs> you have to get involved in commerce yes. or enterprise because it only has value to the degree that it can make money now i'm not saying that's right or wrong because i believe in private enterprise i I'm, I'm not a leftist in that regard at all mm. but as we we know and i think you spoke about in your book as well that's the problem that we've got that and and you see don't you these ideas that come from poorer parts of the world um really amazing ideas you see come out of countries in africa and india where we innovative people um uh, and 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 it just doesn't go anywhere because it can't be upscaled or not upscaled Just trying to, you know, it can't be marketed and it it can't be mass produced. And and that again is forms part of the inherent problem within democracy. I
1: think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The um. I, I'm going back to my mind when you were talking about um whether uninformed people should be allowed to vote. Um, yeah which is an interesting concept i mean it it sounds outrageous um, yeah
0: it sounds quite authoritarian doesn't it, it on, does. on, on the it does. On, yeah on the surface uh, at
1: least but but let's play with this idea just to just to make people annoyed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um let okay so how about uh, if how about if you have some sort of test to determine the minimum level of competency to participate in a democracy and that mm. i i know that sounds outrageous because it seems it's 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 seen as this will be seen as unfair to exclude people from freely being able to participate to shape their society okay okay so but think of it this way think of a driver's test or a driving test a driving test is required because um, a certain level of competence is needed to drive because we recognize that it's simply too dangerous to let newcomers on the road in a tin can traveling at high speeds Mm -hmm which might hit other tin cans or pedestrians that there, there is a responsibility to others which is recognized even if the individual driver doesn't mind about his own well-being or or even the well-being of others so um, we could have a voter test you know um but i mean i'm not, not not that i'm advocating that because i think that even with a even with a voter test to determine people's knowledge of civics the complexity of modern day life and politics would mean that the the bar would need to be raised so high mm. that only a fraction of the population would measure up to the top
0: and you top. definitely you definitely
1: won't get voted in on that basis <laughs> right no right that's that's why you know it's nice to have a conversation and I'm not, uh. I'm not a politician I don't have to stand on a podium and and spout yeah. this nonsense but um so in that sense, it wouldn't be so much as a driver's test as it would be a pilot test to fly an aeroplane. Sure. Yeah. Just imagine if, if the population was, would be required to get something akin to a pilot test in order to participate in a, in a democracy, because we recognize that there is a high level of responsibility that they owe to their fellow man to be informed and wise in order to determine how society is shaped. It's a very, very serious and important thing that we're asking people to do sure so so for it to work see what so you can see that democracy is very 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 energy intensive and for it to work effectively the majority of the electorate have to um they have to be capable of synthesizing complex issues Mm. Um, you know i um i i i I know you've heard of the expression of democracy. There's this uh, saying that uh, democracy is, uh, what, is when two wolves and a sheep vote on what's for dinner.
0: <laughs> I haven't heard that, no. Um,
1: so no, so I haven't, what, no. what that means is that um, if people democratically decide to do harm, um, they're the wolves, to a minority group or a despised individual or even the planet, because you know, hey, we can make a lot of money sucking hydrocarbons out of the earth, so let's vote for that. You know, if they decide to do harm, does the democratic will of the majority trump all other considerations? You know, that 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 would be um, a tyranny of the majority. I mean, what's yeah. to stop them? Um, so there, a claim could be made that democracy is coercive, yeah. and coercion doesn't produce well-rounded individuals and it doesn't produce a peaceful world and so um i mean this is not a new concept it's been recognized so we actually came up with the term liberal democracy and that a liberal democracy acknowledges that minorities are going to be um permanently upset if the majority always have always has their way um and um uh you know in the past liberal democracy it was just a veneer, I guess. It mostly paid lip service to inclusiveness and insensitivity to minority interests. Um, In in political circles, that's called optics. Um, It was mostly about optics, uh, looking like you care while actually delivering very little or even doing something harmful. Um, Liberal democracy was meant to take into consideration minority needs, but like we were saying before, it's gone too far in one direction. What you what we're getting now is special perks and considerations and equity hiring practi- practices, which favour the minority applicant at the expense of the more qualified or competent one, the best person for the job. Um, or else you have, um, you know, like no jab, no job, for the unvaccinated in the other direction.
0: Mm. Mm. I mean kind of like I'm just going to make a very controversial point here, but within the context of what we're talking about here as, as we're coming up towards the end of our discussion here on the hour Michael is um. I mean the, the issue that we've got really and I'm not sure if you you agree or not but obviously I'm someone that has for many years studied the media the techniques they use to dumb down the population I, I feel that You know, the media has done such a good job in dumbing down the public in the UK that the vast majority of the general public no longer know knows what's good for them. So that's why so many complied with the ridiculous COVID rules, guidelines, shenanigans. So to have a an open, honest, coherent discussion around democracy within that kind of environment is very difficult. That's why we're doing it on this platform. So. the kind of movement towards anything i think the movement towards anything different that's why it's only ever going to really change when people's individual level of awareness and consciousness mm-hmm. change and yeah. i don't know how the relationship between you know the governed uh and uh so-called leaders you know how how that plays out But i think that's the that's that's the stage we're at now and yeah. uh we know that's been done through you know the technology the dumbing down of the kids and all the rest of it that's a discussion for another day but that just adds to the crisis point that we're at um um, yeah yeah it's um i mean we need
1: to sorry go ahead
0: no carry carry
1: on i mean we we need to actually move into this higher level of consciousness and um consider what our conception of forward progress is for ourselves as a species instead I mean so instead of just speaking about democracy and and voting every four years and just considering what a better democracy looks like we should actually be focusing on what our conception of forward progress looks like for ourselves and how we um take care to protect that forward progress once we've determined what that forward progress is um and, and you know uh, we see, haven't seriously recognized it in any sort of humanistic or spiritual or philosophical sense. So no. just just in this, all we've been doing is just in the se- we we've just been it's just in the sense of exploiting the environment to produce more and more goods and services in the name of increasing sure. GDP. That that's where our focus has been as uh, modern participants in modern civilization is is growing the GDP. I think we can do better than that. And um, I'm reminded of, of our conversation in The Power of No and The Power of Yes when we talked about good ideas and bad ideas. Sure. Um, you know, there, there are good ideas and bad ideas, good actors and bad actors, um, wisdom keepers and ignoramuses, <laughs> individualists and collectivists. You know, as human beings, we're a very, very mixed bunch. Or a small board. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all of these things, though, they 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 exist on a spectrum. Uh, sure. uh, so bad ideas and good ideas are at opposite ends of this spectrum, mm. and we know that as a species, we have bad ideas as well as good ideas, and at the time, we we may not know the difference. Sure. Um. And we are I, we are exceptionally inefficient at identifying the difference. We we do know we do know that good ideas will produce better outcomes obviously Mm. so we need we need to be at that end of the spectrum not the bad Mm. not the the other end of the spectrum where bad ideas are but we have to discover and apply um we have to find out we have a a more profoundly competent way to curate and assess these ideas the storm of these ideas that surrounds us Mm. and if, if democracy is about equality of influence and equality of influence includes bad ideas as well as good ideas and gives them equal weight inevitably it dilutes the world down to a tasteless mediocrity i think mm.
0: i think um, that's the goal of the sorry chincha that's the ultimate yeah. goal of um of this whole drive towards equality is just this yeah this tasteless gruel that would you know um kind of like was served in the movie soylent green that is the <laughs> you know that's the ultimate globalist goal the, the sort of the one world but luckily putin is um is is uh is scuppering their plans in that regard i believe so yeah they're, they're not gonna win but that is their goal yeah
1: sorry right. to you. no no t- absolutely and uh, i mean uh so You know, instead of asking ourselves how we can bring about true democracy or real democracy compared to this pale and sickly version that we have or that we might have. I I think instead we should take one step back and ask us ask a question like, um, by what mechanisms? Call it governance or whatever. It doesn't have to be a form of governance. By what mechanisms could we create? Could we have a new society where we focus where the focus was on actualizing our powers and potentialities, all of us, Mm. not just some of us, where we incentivize um, the production of a fully realized people and optimized humanity. Just just imagine living in a world where, where society's highest priority was the maximization of potential let's step back and think about that first, because I mean, well, I mean, that's that's my dream. That's what I would aspire to if I could, that the, the uh, where society's highest priority was the maximization of potential. Now, if the answer is democracy as serving as the platform to bring that about, then all well and good, we should start with that. We shouldn't just but 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 we shouldn't just blithely assume that democracy will give us our best shot. We should start by articulating our objectives first. What, what is the world? I mean, um, sorry, wh- what is the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible to borrow from Charles Eisenstein? What, what, what does that look like? How can we take into account and fully consider all the unconditioned needs of every human being alive In a way that leaves everyone feeling good about being alive, you know, Mm. where there's justice, where rights, where wrongs are righted, where there is fairness instead of this fucking insanity. Sorry to swear, where we we give the gift that is ours to give and uh, where we fearlessly live in our true natures. Okay, where we're wise and where we're courageous and where we are moderate in our desires rather than savagely greedy that's the sort of world the more beautiful world that my heart believes is possible so we should start by asking ourselves these questions can we create a good society can we do that can we live together and how do we manifest that how do we create a pro-social world um humanity as one interconnected ecosystem and, and why? Why would we do that? Hmm. We should ask ourselves that question. What What is the nature and purpose of our shared existence? Yeah. I Given mean... that we all have our perspect, our personal subjective realities, and we're this, we're this we're this smorgasbord of human beings, and we have this dazzling array of contradictory ideas and beliefs. So. Given all of that, that's, that's problematic. How can, we, how can we cohere to create a unified whole? If, if that's what individuals are like, if we're all inherently unique. So the, and the, then the question is, how do, we, how do we honor that? How do we bring out the best in a multifaceted humanity? And how do we structure a society which recognizes and honors that?
0: yeah we we need to um definitely to like you're saying michael start with some baseline points but i do forgive me it's going to sound a bit far out there folks but i do believe the world that you 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 desire so much and and i do and so many of um those listening today and all of us in in the tribes in the alternative community what whatever you want to however you want to describe it um because I'm of the belief, more and more through different sources of what people are saying, that this this predatory, and it's a bit out there, forgive me, this predatory non-human force that I believe does work through um, the kind of human, you know, corporate, political world with all the greed, corruption, and evil. I believe that that predatory force is no longer. Able to and will not be as able to pray on the planet uh, with the ease it has had, and I think once that sort of pressure that keeps human consciousness at such a low level is kind of <laughs> kind of blown off and lifted, I think human beings are going to come into our own, mm-hmm. and it's like that whole once that slave master mindset is gone and blown off, which I believe it will, this planet will just transform. Uh, beyond belief and I think we're we're on that process now and there's going to be a hell of a lot of difficulties because we've got to go through this collective dark night of the soul excuse the cliche Um, but I do believe that we're on that trajectory basically so um, yeah I think um, there is a lot of uh, grounded hope shall we say so (laughs) I hope
1: that too yeah that's my desire as well yeah
0: so we're coming up just to the end of this particular episode, uh, Michael. Did you have any closing thoughts for the listeners?
1: Well, I guess um, perhaps if we could take another 10 minutes, Ant, I was just thinking. Yeah, just of thinking course. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah by, your listeners don't mind following along a little longer.
0: I'm sure uh, they'll be fine, yeah.
1: Because the, the ultimate, I, I guess we should finish up our talk by considering, I mean, I've I posed the question about democracy and, and so the the, the the question then should be well if not democracy then what yeah, um because um historically there have been very few democracies and those that did arise were relatively short-lived and the reason is that it takes a lot of energy for a democracy to function well sure i mean we we had um uh kings and their courts and the monarchies of the past and of course they required far less collective energy since all their decisions were made in the court that they were left to a, this very small group of individuals so less energy was needed to come up with a plan of action to um rule the peasant class and yeah. conduct, conduct foreign wars um but you know unfortunately that the, they they had this notion of um they had this moral right to rule over others, which is very unfortunate. They didn't. Yeah. Um, but democracies, on the other hand, they, they require this high-functioning, well-regulated, well-educated citizenry in order to function well, in order to participate in decisions of state. So um, I'll give you my take about on, on what would be a suitable compromise. So yeah um as you can probably gather i'm i am a big fan of competency i think that's i think the best and brightest among us the most uh, and this is not just like the most intelligent i mean you could but but the most compassionate they're also the best the wisest they are also the best the most steadfast and courageous they are the best the most virtuous um i think that those individuals if we can identify who they are they should be granted conditional authority to act in the best interests of those who choose to grant them that authority. Mm. And I have a chapter in my book on authority, and um, I'm intrigued with Plato's concept of philosopher kings in his book, The Republic. Um, and, you know, um, I think there are a number of problems which scholars have identified with Plato's conception of um, his Form of ideal, his ideal form of social arrangement, but I, I think it's necessary to revisit the idea and, and maybe update it a little bit to sure. match um, our present-day realities. So just to, just to give a little bit of background, his conception of social organization um, is di- was is divided into three th- three groups: warriors, producers, and leaders um kind of like a caste system where everybody kn- knows their place yeah. and uh, obviously that's problematic um so i think if we recognize that the challenge today is to realize our true nature that would mean providing the optimal conditions where um every man and woman is capable of unfolding their fully realized god-given powers and and capacities with care and compassion for other people who are also realizing their own true nature and at that point we we know how we fit into this world what gifts we have to offer whether we're a soldier or an artisan or a leader or whatever else it might be and and we're content to express our gifts um so in that sense we know our place in the world but we choose it freely for ourselves. It's not chosen for us. Um, And with the leaders, if they don't fit the bill, they don't get to lead. Authority is conditional. And that means that we can breathe a big sigh of relief because it means we have time and opportunity to do the things we love in our lives, you know, like creative people who just love creating their arts and their crafts. And to be good at it, you need to devote countless hours into becoming good at your arts and your crafts. That there's an opportunity cost, which means that um, they don't have they they don't have the time. They don't have the countless hours to devote to understanding politics or society or um, psychology or system dynamics or whatever. They mm. they can just get on with doing what's in alignment with their essential nature. Mm. So, um, yeah, Philosopher Kings, the concept of Philosopher Kings, and I encourage people to look this up. There, there's a lot of stuff on the Internet which um, rebukes and rebuts the concept. And right. um, I think a lot of it's fair and I think yeah. it can be updated. But um, it could be called an epistocracy, which is ruling by the knowing. It's it's epi- epistocracy is ruled by those who know. And I think that's also problematic because it's not ruled by those who have compassion or wisdom or kindness. It's ruled by those who know. But um, so that, I think, falls short because ability without honor is useless, in my view, like the Chinese government. The Chinese government is is competent and it has effectively established a dominant mercantile economy in the last Mm. 50 years. But it's done so without honor. It's an mm. epistocracy without honor, like Tiananmen Square and digital social credit systems and, and this garbage which represses people to just be cogs in the machine. So um I, I know I'm rambling on and I know we've got to work. No, it's up. fine. Um but I, I don't think vertical meritocratic hierarchy is, is unhealthy. It, it's only unhealthy where it's devoid of virtue, where it's devoid of honor, which is what we have now. It's our current state of affairs. Hierarchy is used as a tool of domination, Mm. not to serve and promote individual expansion. Mm. Um, So I think there should be a new concept of Philosopher Kings. I'd like people to explore this idea where we have transparency and accountability and legitimacy. That has to be present. But um people would grant philosopher kings the right to rule which is the right to rule legitimately and they would have the responsibility to be transparent and accountable but you know even before they ever got to that stage they would have to go through many other stages pass through many other stages and receive special kinds of training and a special kind of assessment to determine if they're fit to lead um so The dark side. So um, if you think of the public school system in the UK, okay, now, you know, it illegitimately trains its students to rule on behalf of a privileged few. But that's that's their mandate. That's what they're there to do. They're there to train a privileged group of people to rule and they give them the tools to do so. That's a perversion of the academy that Plato set up where the focus there was to train its students to um, tune their senses, to be loving and wise and to genuinely understand people's concerns and their hopes and their dreams and um, train people to have the intelligence to determine and the wisdom to determine how to get from A to B Mm. by bringing everyone along rather than throwing certain people under the bus. Anyway, that, that, that's something, if, we, if, we, if we're not to consider democracy worthy of the human species, that would be my conception, personal conception, mm-hmm. of what um, a better future would look like. But if we're going to do democracy again, let's do a better form of democracy. Mm-hmm. Let's do one which recognizes its deficits and which mitigates against them. And I'm also talking about deficits of the mind, not just the system if if people are susceptible to uh, mass formation psychosis we know this we see it around us people are susceptible to deficits mm-hmm. of the mind okay so if we understand that how would we build a, dem- a democratic structure which anticipated this and counteracted this human proclivity
0: mm. yeah because as, 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 it is important because um at the end of the day even if we even if the current hierarchical structures collapse we, we can't just assume that when the pieces, is yeah, when when everything um when the the, the pieces coalesce back again there's going to be a certain processes that are going to need to be followed do you know what yeah. i mean it, yeah. it can't i think that's um sometimes what aspects of the new age and spiritual circles kind of neglect because if we're already in the 5d and we're already you know in the enlightened world then why would we worry about things like structures and how we're going to organize society and political structures but I think yeah thank you for sharing that that is an important consideration because that's what we're going to have to go through um, you know however it takes place kind of thing mm. so yeah thank you for sharing that
1: So, um,
0: yeah, I think I will round things up now, Michael. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, It's been a a really interesting exploration around this thorny issue of democracy and uh, the issues that we currently have and uh, where we might go in the future and if we actually even are going to use democracy um, in the future, because that's very debatable with the way things are um at the moment so yeah thank you thank you uh very much and thank you everyone for listening um hope you found our discussion today uh kind of um you know you can relate to some of the things that we've been talking about because as we said at the beginning it is um it's at the forefront of many of our minds at the moment the state of supposed democracy here in the uk and 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 obviously uh in the united states as well it's something it's an issue that we, um, we can't really neglect. So just lastly, Michael, if you could just um, share your, uh, your contact details or your website where people can find out more about you. If they want to contact you and your book, of course.
1: Oh, that's lovely. Thank you, Ant. Uh, right. So um, people can find me at michaelronin.net and uh, I've written a book called uh, Modern Masculinity for the Conscious Man. Mm -hmm. uh subtitle of which is making sense in troubled times which we clearly have yeah Um, so uh and that can be found uh either in uh, it can be found on amazon and audible um and i also have a newsletter which people can subscribe to and a contact form if people would like to get in touch with me and send me abusive letters (laughs) please 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 send me some nice stuff
0: now I'm sure it'll be all uh, very nice conscious communication right so thank you uh, Michael thank you very much and thank you everyone for listening Um, I'll speak to all again very soon bye-bye for now